Hello and welcome into this season of the 8th Day Coaching Podcast. I am working on a new series here called Catholic, Single, and Flourishing. And I really want to speak to Catholic singles in their 20s and 30s to address the loneliness, the wandering, and the pressure that we often feel here. The goal with this series is to help Catholic singles live their God-inspired call today and also pave a path for the future. The whole idea here is you don't have to wait for your vocation today. You can live it now. And I want to invite you to engage in the conversation on social media. I want you to check out a free ebook that I created just for you called Breaking the Cycle of Pressure in In Action. And you can sign up to receive that on catholicsinglesolutions.com. I will put all these resources in the show notes. So if you're a loyal listener, even if you're not a Catholic single, there's definitely still value for you here. Please listen to these episodes and share with your friends. You're listening to the 8th Day Coaching Podcast, where I share helpful insight and interview elite level leaders to help you overcome stress and master your time, money, and God-inspired future. I'm your certified professional coach, Chad Etzel. Well, everyone, welcome back to the 8th Day Coaching Podcast. This is a very special episode where I have a great guest joining me, Arlene Spensley. Arlene is from Tampa, Florida, and in her high school years, she encountered Jesus Christ. She also discovered a love for journalism. And early in her career, she was a writer for the Tampa Bay Times. She garnered much attention from an article that she entitled, Why I'm Still a Virgin. Now, the article struck a nerve with her readers, and as a result, Arlene eventually wrote a book called Chastity is for Lovers, Single, Happy, and Still a Virgin. In her personal time, she enjoys CrossFit. She's also known as the Taylor Swift of Catholic Match because she writes articles for Catholic Match, and many of those articles relate to anecdotes of her dating experiences with men. And I found it very fitting to have her on this podcast series, Catholic Single and Flourishing, because she has so much to offer here. Arlene, thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Tell me a little bit. We we connected through Alex Lambus, who was a guest on the 8th Day Coaching Podcast, and then you were also a guest on his podcast. How did you connect with him? Was it like through Car- CrossFit or Catholic Young Adults sort of connection you there? Know, it's funny. Um, I don't remember how I met Alex. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, Alex. I think it was the internet. Um, I'm guessing Instagram, maybe Twitter, um, over the years of doing what I do and, you know, writing about all kinds of things that pertain to Catholic young adults, I have made so many friends. Um, and, and I, I, Alex is one of them. Um, but I, I would say in recent years, he and I definitely connected on CrossFit. Um, and, and just like also like the very, um, unusual, experience of being both very Catholic and very into CrossFit. Uh, we are few and far between. And so it was always, it's always really <laughs> exciting when we meet somebody like that. Yeah, it's, it seems like a specific niche. I don't, I don't really do CrossFit <laughs> myself, but certainly is uh, a niche in the Catholic world of people who like it. I think Father Mike Schmitz, I think is a big CrossFitter, yeah, sure right? Is, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely niche. <laughs> Uh, that's great. That's great. Well, just to introduce what we're doing today, and then also in the next episode, it, it we're, we're doing a conversation of three things single women want men to know about dating, and then three things men want 
women to know about dating. And this is just came up because I was doing some research groups as I was preparing for this series, Catholic Single and Flourishing. And in these research groups, I interviewed groups of men, single men, groups of single women, and then some groups that were mixed together. And in one of the conversations, they, we, we got into a topic on attitude towards vocation, attitude towards marriage and dating. And one of the guys brought up just kind of this question of, well, how, you know, how do I know a woman is interested? And, and, you know, should we go back to those days of passing notes, like in middle school or asking a friend to, to ask a friend about it? And there, there was another woman just very bluntly in that group. Well, I guess she didn't say it in the group, but she approached me a little bit later and she just said, Hey, I think if, a man is interested in a woman, doesn't matter if, if he knows anything about her, he should just ask her out. And so I was kind of taken about back by that experience. But what what it what came up from that was just a theme that I was was hearing. And it was a theme of narrow sightedness in a way, where I think men and women don't necessarily communicate with each other all the time, especially in the early stages of dating. And we don't know what each other are experiencing. We only see through our own eyes. And that gets further exacerbated when you're doing online dating because all you see is the other people's profiles. You don't see what's wrong with your own or for me, for other other men, you don't see what the the problematic trends are. So the solution to all this is to have a, a dialogue, to have a conversation, which that's, I got this idea to have a conversation with you, Arlene, about this particular topic, because I, I know from my own experience, I learn a lot from the, a lot of my female friends in, in ways that I don't learn from my, my male friends as well. And I've had a lot of conversations, especially recently with starting this podcast where uh, women are asking me about the psychology of men when it comes to dating. So we are, are doing these episodes here, and I want to just mention this disclaimer. We're not putting an exhaustive list together here necessarily. A lot of this is coming from each of our experiences, but we want you to engage in the conversation on social media, on Instagram. And if we don't mention a point, I want to encourage you who are listening to feel free to add something to the list. Just be charitable as, as you do this. So with that, we're going to talk about the three things single women want men to know about dating in this episode. And in the next episode, the brother episode or the sister episode, <laughs> however you want to call it, that we're, we're going to talk about three things that men want women to know. Single men want women to know about dating. So stay tuned for that. And with that, Arlene, what do you have for us? You know, it's really interesting. Um, that you said that the guy you spoke with wished that you could go back to just like passing notes or, or whatever it was that he said. Um, I have, I have, I too have wished that like in recent um, years, probably in the last five or six, I, I've thought to myself, there should just be a day, like one day where you can just freely confess your interest in someone else, whether that's in a note that you pass or Facebook messenger, you know, whatever the case, I just feel like, can't we just be honest? Can't we just be open and honest about these things? Because it would make all that we have gone through as single young adults so much easier. We would not have to wonder. We would not have to be afraid. We would just know, hey, this person's interested. This person's not interested. Um, And I think there is something to what that guy said. Um, and it's also related to the first point that I wanted to bring up, which was as single women, we want men to know that we need you to take some risks. It would be a really big risk if you messaged a woman today on Facebook and said, you know what? I've been really interested in you for the past two years. That would be a risk if you don't know, if you don't have any idea how she feels about you. But the reason that I came up with this point, um, 
is because over the years, it's been like 10 years now, I think of, of dating writing. I have been approached by several men asking for dating advice and some of them seem to have a tendency to avoid taking any action with a woman in whom they are interested unless or until they know that she is also interested. And, and I, I believe that's rooted in, in fear. It's a fear of rejection um, and rejection is painful. So I, I get it. But at the same time, I find it impossible to eliminate all risk. And when we try, I think that's probably the biggest risk of all, um, especially if, you know, if your goal truly is to date and marry a woman, um, you may never, if you never take a risk, because there's always risk associated. Um, so some of the things, some of the little risks that I thought of um, that I thought would be easy, you know, beginner's risks, um, you know, if there's a, a woman at mass that you frequently make eye contact with and she's not, she's not looking away quickly. Uh, you know, she's, she's kind of enjoying the eye contact to approach her after mass. Uh, don't just leave it at eye contact forever. And I speak from experience with that because there was a guy, um, not that long ago who I would frequently see at mass, clearly young adult, Catholic, faithful, always at mass, constantly making eye contact with me. And I was like, huh, interesting. Like, I don't know this guy and I'd be totally fine with it if he came up to me and I would return the eye contact and never approached. So one day after mass, I was walking to my car and he was walking to my car and I was like, this is it. This is, this is his opportunity. And I look at him <laughs> and I smile and he freezes up, looks the other way and goes to his car. And maybe, maybe it was a case of he thought I was someone he knew and it turned out not to be, I don't know. I took the eye contact as some level mm -hmm. of curiosity or interest. What, what, how does that strike you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one thing for sure. If it happens once, if that happens multiple times in different situations, then of course there's the, that that's something that it can be a common occurrence. And, and I certainly think that, that for men, I, th I think what's coming up for you is what you said about taking risk. It reminds me of a quote from John Wooden. He says that failure to act is often the biggest failure of all. And, and I think that men, there's, you mentioned about rejection and how it you understand that there's there it can be painful with that, but I, I think a lot of times for men we're afraid to approach women because of the how intense the the pain can be from rejection, but it's it's a little more comfortable to kind of stay in the pain or the 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 fear, and at the same time. Once you miss your opportunity, I've, I've had this happen with me multiple times of wanting to ask somebody out and then missing my opportunity. And then it's like, oh, darn it, I should have. Oh, how come I, why didn't I, I take a, take a swing and, and ask her out there? Yeah, it's, um, from my perspective, and I can't speak for all women, uh, you know, I'm only one of, one of us, um, but if you as a man are interested in a woman, um, but you're only making small talk or you're only making eye contact, but never saying anything, um, or you're only say reacting to some of her Instagram stories, but never taking any kind of action that would propel you into an opportunity to pursue a real relationship with her. From our perspective, 
there is no discernible difference between you and a guy who is just friendly but not interested. And if mm. I, as yeah. a woman, think, oh, he's just friendly, but he clearly, I mean, I he clearly has no interest in hanging out with me. There have been occasions in my life, I mean, many times over the years that I have, in my opinion, made myself available to, to the extent that I'm like walking past his pew at church every day and, you know, kind of waving or, you know, whatever the case may be, putting myself in positions where I'm accessible and he's not accessing me. And so my assumption then is, I don't think he's interested. And it's sort of like the flip side, like it's it's the same thing. Like I then am the one who's not taking action. But as a woman, I, I really appreciate it when a man is an initiator. Um, and, and when he behaves in such a way that I don't have to orchestrate and I don't have to plan and I don't have to um, be in control of the entire thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, yes, I, I would love right, to be right. able to have that weight lifted and, and, and allow a guy to be the initiator and to show up. And if he doesn't show up, I assume for right or wrong that he doesn't want to. Yeah. And, and there's something that's, that's very natural about that of wanting a man to be an initiator. And it's something that is very specific to our natures as, as men and women, that man being the initiator, women being the one to be able to receive. And, and that's not a, a passivity. And, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about this more in my, in, in the episode that we're going to do next, but just that, that sort of the, I, I, it reminds me of a book that I, I read about Christian dating. It was like, where's the testosterone? Where is that? Where, where is that spirit of masculinity of I'm going to own this moment and I'm going to ask her out. And the, again, with this, the whole concept of, of rejection, it's understandable if we're trying to defend ourselves, but if we do nothing, nothing's going to happen. And, and I think that's that's a very important point about men. But I, I'm curious about something because I think there's when asking women out, depending on the opportunities, when you're in college and you're you have access to a Newman Center, there's those abilities, those social social times when you're able to build a friendship with somebody. And that's just not the same when it comes to the young adult world. And the so the. There's we're often told start with the foundation of friendship, but sometimes that we we need to jump forward a little bit more than just like hey we're thriving friends that we saw in college because there's just not those opportunities. Now when it comes to asking women out, there's a lot of different Catholic dating rules around this and about Facebook. Don't don't do Facebook message or text message, but ask her out on over phone or or in person. I'm I'm just curious as to what your perspective is on those those sorts of rules in terms of men asking women out. Uh, I hate them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm not as picky about stuff like that. I don't know if it's picky, whatever whatever the word is. Um, I I would prefer a guy not ask me out over Facebook Messenger. I think that's that's a little weird. Um, if mm-hmm. it's by phone, that's fine. That's cool. But like like make the call and ask her out. Um, there, there was an occasion years ago. Um, God bless him. But this guy, um, he, you know, we had met at a, an event with mutual friends and I didn't even know he was interested. I, I wasn't really particularly interested in him, but you know, he had mentioned me to my friend and I was like, I, I didn't, hadn't thought of him that way, but I'd be open to, you know, getting to know him, seeing what happens. 
And so he, um, I gave my friend permission to give him my phone number. He took the number, called me and it took like 30 minutes before he got to like the asking out portion. And I'm like, dude, I got things to do. Like, like, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm like, he's asking me how my day was and like, all, and I'm like, okay, can we just get, I know why you're calling. Like, just, yes, I'll go out with you. Can we, can I get back to my day now? You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. go, go in, go in with intention, um, you know, and don't make it weird though. Don't just be like, she's like, hello. And you're like, will you go out with me? No, no. Um, then in terms of texting, I mean, it depends. Like, I think I'd be fine with it if a guy asked me by text. I just, I don't really, this is 2022, like, and soon to be 2023. Like, <laughs> I, whatever, like we communicate this way now and it is what it is. So that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Cause it's, I, I know it's, and this is oftentimes a lot of the talks, the Catholic talks around dating are specifically towards middle school or, well, not not so much middle school, high school and, and college age. And I think there's something about chivalrous and honoring women and asking her out in person if you have the opportunity. But very much so, I think things, especially when you get into your 30s, things can kind of change in your perspective towards this. And I remember specifically a conversation, this surprised me, because as men were told, hey, the most optimal thing to honor a woman is to ask her out in person. And then maybe call her. That's that's okay too if maybe you can't connect with her in person, but never over text. And, and so it's kind of interesting that, that you're bringing this up because I, I just had this conversation a couple of days ago with a, a female friend of mine. And she said she almost prefers, she's I think in her 30s, early 30s. And she says, I, I almost want him to call me and ask me out because... It's if I if I feel like I I just don't see things will go anywhere. It's easier for me to tell him over the phone, really? right? And the yeah, in in I think for yeah. us as men, a lot of the times it's harder. It's harder for us to to ask out over the phone because there's a bunch of uncertainty of like, well, will, will she answer when I call her or what? I don't see her facial expressions and so on. And so it's it's just a very interesting thing because there were a couple of men that I was, I was talking to about this and how they felt like, Hey, I just, you know, I have her phone number, but I'm going to wait till I see her in in person next because, you know, I just don't want to have the awkward phone conversation or those sorts of things. So it's it's just very surprising hearing that from a woman's perspective because that, that changed how I saw things just like within the last few weeks, really. And you know, I, for the sake of full disclosure, I have not been dating for a while purposefully. Um, and, and so maybe I just don't care because I'm not <laughs> dating right now. <laughs> but um, as a dating writer, um, one thing that I'm recalling is years ago, I don't even remember now what it was, but I wrote something for my blog about men asking women out. I, I Now I'm going to have to go back and find it. But I remember a friend of mine had said something, uh, his name is Jimmy, and, and Jimmy said something about how like, we don't need like, like, like husband, like we we're looking for a husband, you know, if, if we are dating, you know, and, and we are on this quest to find our future spouse. <laughs> I don't need the guy to be good at asking a woman out. Right. Like, like I, I would, I would hope actually that that's like a skill that he loses if we do end up together. You know, I don't, I don't need that. And I think he makes a point. My friend makes a point when he talks about that because 
if we get so distracted, I, I would I would call it a little bit of a distraction for me. If I get so distracted by like, well, well, was his approach exactly what I wanted it to be? Was his approach a little bit awkward? Was his approach by text instead of phone or by phone instead of in person? Like if I get too distracted by those things, I feel like my odds go way up for missing an opportunity because I, I write him off for what? For, because he's not good at asking women mm-hmm. out. Well, being good at asking women out is not what determines whether you be a good husband. And and so I I just can't bring myself to care. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and I think this comes from a a, a way of understanding that confidence is a an attractive feature. Yes, that's true and too. I, I think that there is there is something about really learning how to do this. I can I can tell from my my own experience where there's kind of ebbs and flows where it might be easier, it might be more difficult for me to ask somebody out. But I think that there is something about confidence and the more that we practice this, the the more natural it becomes. But but I think to your point, the the whole thing of just being smooth and perfect in in making your ask out, that's not the determining factor on if if this guy is actually marriage material or not. Because he it may have just been a, a rough day for him and there's a lot of other things going on, but he's just taking, taking advantage of the moment if it is in person or, but, but this, this also does, does help just from hearing from your perspective of kind of lowering the bar to, to just make it easier for a man to not have to wait for the perfect yes, moment. Yeah. Cause I think that that's a lot of times what, what we're trying to do is just wait for the right moment to be able to ask her out. Exactly. And you know, I'm, I'm thinking now back to an experience where, where you, know, you mentioned this confidence and I think confidence is important. And even more than that, just like a directness, um, as well as a lack of ambiguity. I couldn't think of the opposite of ambiguity, a clearness. Um, so one time, uh, there was this guy and I, I met, I met this guy at church and, um, we made eye contact. Like that's how it started with this guy. And I, you know, I'm looking at him, he's looking at me and I'm like, Oh man, I gotta meet this guy. And so when we, when mass ended, um, I decided I was going to, you know, walk his way and acknowledge. And so, um, I got up and was walking out of the pew and he, knelt down to pray. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like I'm leaving, I'm leaving for him now. Like, should I go back? <laughs> like, what do I do? So, um, he's at the end of his pew and I come out of my pew and he's in the pew ahead of mine and I genuflect and I literally, <sighs> so embarrassing. He turns as I'm genuflecting and I go, hi. <laughs> and he's like, I've just made the sign of the cross for people who are listening. So he, I'm genuflecting. I'm saying hello while genuflecting. And he smiles and I get up and leave and yada, yada, yada. We do end up crossing paths in the parking lot. And this kid, I say kid because he was younger. He came up to me in the parking lot and, and just struck up a conversation. We started, we were laughing. It was, it he had such confidence like that, you know, that he's going to be who he is and he's going to introduce himself. And it was great. And we talked maybe, you know, 15 minutes, maybe 20. And at the end of the conversation, I, I was traveling for work the next day. So I said, I have to go. Um, but it, you know, it was really nice meeting you. And he goes, well, when you get back from your trip, can I take you on a date? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, who is this? Um, no guy had ever asked me out like that before. And I will say that was impressive. That relationship did not work mm-hmm. out, but it was still a very impressive start. Um, in the sense that like he was interested, he 
didn't hesitate. He just went for it. And that in and of itself, and just like the, the, the way we connected, it was like, wow, like that's, that's really cool that someone would do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit about, I, I read part of your book and just, just kind of for this, the sake of this conversation and how you talk in there, I'm trying to see if I get this right, about not every successful relationship is one that turns into yeah, marriage. exactly. Like, yeah. Right. Same, same with going on dates, right? Not every successful date is one that ends with a yeah. relationship or yeah, marriage. Exactly. And, and very much so in this, this case with this, this guy who he, he, he was practicing the art of asking you out. And it, it impressed you to where I, I think this also can maybe provide hope for women that there are men out there who are able to be direct, able yes. to put themselves out there, able to, able to offer, offer sacrifice their, their ego and be willing to, to be okay with being rejected. So anyway, that was just what, what came to me after you shared that story. For sure. So are we ready to move on to another? another yeah, let's, let's move on to the next one. Here. Oh, this one near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> single women want men to know that you need to stop looking for a spark and start looking for a woman. This, I say, is near and dear to my heart because I have, not on, not on many occasions, maybe once or twice, at least once, one, one that is very fresh in my mind, even though it wasn't that recent. Um, I have had a guy, um, I would say, prematurely write me off after a very brief encounter by telling me I didn't feel a spark. So I don't think we should pursue anything. And... Um, I even, even prior to experiencing that myself, I had had, you know, several conversations with several women who had been given, I will go as far as to say the excuse that I didn't feel spark. So I'm not going to take you out again. Um, a lot of issues with this. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, um, and I, I want to say like a lot of the things I'm saying today, and, and, and this one is among them. This applies to women too. I know women do this to men and I, I don't want it to seem like I don't know that or that it doesn't happen because I know that it does. Um, sure. Yes. So from that, you know, from that perspective, um, I would say every relationship that I had that started with a spark ended as a dumpster fire. Okay. Like for me, the idea that we are out there looking for a feeling is so dehumanizing. Um, <laughs> I heard a pastor, a Protestant pastor, say something once like, I think he was doing premarital counseling. If that's what it was. I don't remember which pastor this was, so forgive me, pastor, if you're listening. Um, but there was this pastor doing premarital counseling. And he asked the couple, like each person in the couple, what do you love about this person? And the response was, well, how, how she makes me feel. So hmm. what you love about her is about you. That's what it boils down to. What you yeah. love about her wow. is about you. That is not what marriage is for. That is not how this is supposed to go. And I think that the whole searching for a spark is very rooted in that. I believe 
for some reason. I don't know if it is porn. I don't know if it is romantic comedies. I don't know if it's Disney. I, I don't know. Disney. <laughs> I think yeah. it's all the above. But we somehow <laughs> have been led to believe that in order to know this is right, in order to know that a relationship is good and worth being part of, we have to feel something intensely. Something that, <laughs> how do you even know? Like, you, you don't feel a spark. How, how do you know what you're supposed to feel if you haven't felt it yet? Like, like there, I have so many questions for people who are searching for a spark. So many questions. Um, yes, it, it also just seems kind of a vague sort of notion of the spark. Like, how, how do you know you're going to feel that? And it almost as if it's kind of like this, this fantasy experience that we expect to feel, because I, I try to think about this with the, I, and, and it, it may just be movies and in media and so on, where I think we get these intense feelings while we're watching some sort of movie, maybe rom-com, rom-com or Disney movie where growing up, all the Disney movies were love stories. And we, we just get that, that energy, that, that sort of um, just like, oh, I want that. And, and so at, during a date, it could just be we're searching for that sometimes and just expect that to happen after date one, date two, however. And if I'm not feeling that, well, all right, I guess that's just not right. Yeah, I, I think we have gotten really caught up in adopting as a template for our relationships the things we have seen in the media. And it seems like so simple, um, so simple an explanation, but I really don't think we put enough thought into that believe it or not, because I know this is something that, that comes up a lot. Um, you know, I, this is what I was saying. If, if you have a history of only getting beyond one date because you didn't feel a spark on date one, but you also have a history of relationships that do not work out, that crash and burn. A spark is not a green light for you. A spark is a red flag. And you need to listen hmm. to that. You need to consider that this this one factor that so many people seem to think will be the one that makes or breaks the relationship, or that at least clues you in to the fact that you need you know you need to pursue something with this person. Like we have put so much confidence in this to the neglect of the realization that if I wait for a spark to tell me when to pursue a commitment with a person, I am abdicating my responsibility to discern. Uh, am I not? Like, like uh, that's what's happening. And, and I think there are a lot of reasons um, that people worry so much about not feeling a spark. Let me rephrase that. It's not that they worry. They, it's that they look so hard for the spark and yet never quite feel it. Um, there are so many, so many reasons for that. I mean, a lot, a lot of it has to do with FOMO. Um, I mean, especially in this like dating, dating app yes. type culture that we're living Definitely. in, like, like there's always someone else. There's always someone else. And it's, and I've had, I've had, I've had almost every dating app that you could imagine. And, and I'm like going and going, you know, and when, when I had them and, and it was like, what am I doing? Like, 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 and it was like, you would, you know, swipe 
left or right. I don't remember which one's the good one. I honestly don't. It's been a while. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I would swipe in the good direction because I liked the guy or whatever, or liked his profile anyway. And, um, and it was like every, you know, you get a message from one and then, you know, a few guys later you get a message from another and now you're like, you're torn and you like, don't want to really commit to meeting up with one because, and, and you, you put yourselves in these situations. So I think FOMO is part of it. Um, I think, um, we, I lost my train of thought. I don't remember what I was saying. I got distracted. Well, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I mean, what, what this is reminding me a little bit of is John Paul II's Love and Responsibility, yes. where he talks about the, the raw materials is, is kind of like the emotions. It's the, the sensuality or the sentimentality. These are raw yes. materials, but they're often yes. mistaken for love yes. itself, where it's like the raw materials are supposed to prepare us for self-sacrificial yes. love. Yes. But sometimes in, in this case, if we're looking for the spark, all we're looking for is the raw material and we're not actually looking for the woman, for yes. the man. Yes, that is such a good point. And Love and Responsibility is probably my all-time favorite book. So good. Um, <laughs> Number one dating book. Yes, yes, truly. Um, so <laughs> the other thing that I wanted – oh, I remember. Sorry, I, I gathered my train of thought. Um, it I was giving yeah. these reasons why people are searching. They, they, they have so much trouble – picking a person that they need a spark to tell them what to do. And, and, and this is problematic for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, there's a great dating book called the sacred search. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's not Catholic, but it's by, I think, Oh gosh. I'm not going to say it. It's called the sacred search. It's about dating. <laughs> we'll I, yeah, we'll look it up remember. and put I it in so the show sorry. notes. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm really bad at giving credit where credit is due today, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I read this book and, and the author, um, he made a great point. He, he talked about how like biologically some people will never feel with the same intensity as other people. And so if that's you, you don't know if that's you, how can you know? If that's you, you end up searching potentially for your whole life for a feeling that you are physically incapable of feeling. You hmm. are searching wow. potentially for something that's impossible for you. Second, in this day and age, so many people have gotten addicted to pornography or they at least use it in some capacity. And, and a lot of people who use porn don't realize when they say it rewires your brain, it really does rewire your brain. Uh, uh, you probably already know um, pornography is considered a super normal stimulus. A human is a normal stimulus. Um, when you train your brain to need a super normal stimulus to feel a certain way you also train your brain to be unable to feel that in the presence of a normal stimulus and so i fear and, and in some of my experiences with men i've dated who have said things to me like um there was you know i didn't feel spark um after two hours in a restaurant okay okay <laughs> we just met like that's it like you know what you need to know okay cool i mean i to, to me as I said before, I think it is an excuse. It probably was like, I just, I'm not physically attracted to you. And that's okay. You don't have to be, but like, don't tell me you didn't feel a spark. Like that's not the same thing to me as attraction. Like a spark is more magical. You, whatever it is, what it is. But my fear is, um, based on some things that men have said to me, like, I just don't feel like, I feel like I should want to talk to you all the time, like constantly. What? Like, I don't want to talk to you constantly. I don't talk to anybody constantly. I'm an introvert. Like, so, then, right. so there, there, yeah. there's like words yeah. like that. And then there's like, I don't feel as intensely as I think I should. I don't, I'm not feeling my curiosity and my concern is that maybe those men, I don't know, um, 
maybe some others, and certainly they are out there, are having those thoughts and saying those things, not because that not because they're trying to abdicate their responsibility to discern, but because they are they didn't consider the possibility that pornography could also damage your ability to feel infatuated with someone. Um, and I talked sure. to uh, yes. there's a woman who taught my um, human sexuality class when I was in grad school. My master's is in counseling, and she's a sex therapist. Um, she is amazing. Her name is Dr. Day Sheridan. I do know her name. Um, and one time I talked to her about this. I asked her, like I said, you know, she's, you know, she's, I've certainly got clients who have dealt with things like this. And, and I asked her, I was like, you know, I know that, you know, porn rewires the brain. I know that it can cause you to be unable to respond to a human being the way you were designed to respond to a human being. I said, could it also, could it go so far as to like limit your ability to just like feel warm and fuzzies. <laughs> and she said, yes, mm. she said she believes that that is yeah. possible. And, and so that's a big concern that I have about this search for the spark is even if you, I don't, I haven't, I have not studied porn beyond what I have shared here today. So I, I don't know. Um, but, but I'm curious, I'm wondering if we are seeing more and more of, um, even I, inner turmoil because like some of the men who said things like this to me, they said, I don't understand why I can't commit to you. I don't understand why, because they, mm. they, they were confused and they were worried about themselves. Like why, why can't I just yes. like commit to a girl? I, I don't understand. And, and I worry that maybe people have lost the ability to feel what they once could and that they are as a result, I don't know if that's permanent or not, but, but as a result, um, they're just perpetually going to be looking to feel this thing that, that they can't anymore. Um, and I don't know what the answer yeah, is there, to that. There, there's something to a couple of thoughts that I have here. One, which I think overall we become desensitized as a culture and desensitized to feelings in a sense, but especially when it comes to sexuality, that there's all these images that are put before us. And even movies, movies today would have been yeah. porn 50 years ago, yeah. certain movies. And, and then, of course, you have social media and there's constant scrolling and there's certain things, certain images that you you're inevitably going to see on there. And it's almost a spot that is can be whether it's pornographic or it, it could be a substitute for pornography. I think one one practical that I, I would encourage our audience who is listening here is just think about expectations and expectations of a relationship and where those expectations come from. And what's what's the blueprint that you expect out of dating? Because that that's so so key because it, it sounds like that these there's these men, they're expecting something. They have a blueprint. And in this case, there's a blueprint for an emotion that they would expect. And in just going into that, whether it's therapy or whether it's coaching and examining those those sorts of thoughts and beliefs that we have around relationships, that's that's where we probably just need to start. And and sometimes it's it's rooted in a wound or sometimes it's just rooted in worldly desires that we just develop over time. But that's that I think is the first place that just come from coming from a coaching perspective where I would I would recommend people yeah. start. So we're how about we, we move on to the, the third and final point here? Your ex just might be right. I last year, I think last year I read this book called um, 
Insight by Tasha Yurik, who has studied like self-awareness, um, which I find to be very fascinating and also very necessary, especially when you're dating. And um, she had this concept for something called a dinner of truth that like basically changed my life. I um, <laughs> She encourages people to pick a person you trust and to sit down at a dinner. Ideally, I didn't do this at a dinner, but I just, did it. I just walked up to someone. But, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you ask this person, what do I do that most annoys you? And hmm. you, that's yeah, painful. I, I cringe just a asking little that bit question. even just thinking about it, like having, to, and, and the, the, the goal and the idea is that you don't interrupt, you don't defend, you hear this person who you trust out. And, and what it does is it, um, opens you up, maybe even like desensitizes you a little bit to receiving feedback. And that's what this point is really about. It's about receiving feedback. And I, I wrote about this for Catholic match because something that I have observed, um, in my own dating experiences, as well as, uh, among the women I know and the men, this also applies to women. Um, your ex-boyfriend might be right, ladies. Sorry. Um, basically, if you receive, solicited or not, feedback from one person, cool. Like maybe somebody says, you, you're too impulsive and she won't date you. That could be a fluke. She, her expectations for what it means to not be impulsive might be too high. It, there could be any number of reasons. It could be a fluke. If you date a second girl and she's like, you know what? You're just, you're too impulsive for me. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And she ends it. You might want to start looking at that. If you date another girl and, and she's also calling you out on some little impulsive decisions that you've been making, at some point, you've got to consider that maybe the things that these people have been telling you are true. And the reason I bring this up, the reason I say that women want men to know this is we, and I'm surely men have lived it too, but we have been in experiences. We've had experiences with guys we have dated who have been told we've learned over and over, um, about certain things that are either hurtful to the women they've dated or that make them unready for marriage, that make them, areas where there's room for growth, um, they've been told over and over and they are choosing instead to keep searching for a woman who's just not gonna tell them that or who's just not gonna notice that in them. And that to me, will stunt your growth in a way that is not only not fair for the women you date, the woman you marry, the future kids that you're going to have, but it's not fair to you either. You are mm -hmm. meant to become yep. the best version of yourself that you can become while you're on earth. And to deny yourself that opportunity by refusing to accept that there might be something wrong with you, <laughs> that you might have a fixable flaw. And truly, like most of the things I think, in my experience, things I've heard among friends, like I think a lot of the feedback that we give to the people we date is fixable. It's it's not it's not like we're saying, you know, like you, it's not okay. It's not like if if a Catholic 
young adult decides to date a Protestant young adult and the Protestants like, I can't date you because you're, you're Catholic. Like that's, that's not a flaw. That's just like a, a core difference. Uh, and, and you are not expected and should not change your religious beliefs um, or your church affiliation just so that you can date somebody. I, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that if, if, you know, maybe it, maybe it is impulsivity, maybe it is, um, uh, you know, could be anything impulsivity it could be finance related it could be there there's just something that you don't have together right now that's that's a red mm-hmm. flag for me i want um i want you know all of us to be able men, women or men to be able to like point it out honestly to the person that we're dating and say i'm feeling some hesitation because of this um and and then for the people who receive feedback like that to consider and, and not deny that it's real but just to, to honestly say like you know is this true is this really a problem and is this something that I need to work on? Sure. Well, it, it sounds like that the big distinction has to do with virtue. If it's an area of a lack of yeah. virtue that somebody can grow in, as opposed to something that is like a true non-negotiable right. of identity yes. yeah, and exactly. my my faith is, is so important to me. It That's that's a distinctive feature there. And I, I think what's what's making me wonder a little bit is like, how how can we receive feedback in just like real honest feedback? Because it it sounds like maybe you've had several of these conversations with with men, <laughs> and you. it's you've you've been able to lay it out. Because I and and maybe this is just my my own situation, but I haven't really had that sort of feedback of a lack of virtue. Maybe it's just because I'm super holy or something. I don't I don't yeah. know. But but it's it tends to be more of either ambiguous or just like I don't I don't see things can go forward, which which is fine. But I, I'm just wondering if there's any any sort of way that you'd recommend us giving feedback. Because I, I know a lot of times when women turn down men, they can be shy in terms of explaining why it might yeah, be the case. Yeah, that's a really good question and a good point. I think that personality-wise, it comes a little easier for some than others to be forthcoming about the real reason. Um, sometimes they'll just they'll just tell you I didn't feel a spark, you know, and then, and then that's really yes, that's, yes. They're, they're covering the real reason. And it might be because they don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Or, and there, there might be like buried deep down in there somewhere a little bit of virtue in their reason for like trying to protect you. But I think I don't think they're protecting you if if it does boil down to some lack of virtue or some area where growth needs to happen. Um, I think that if let's say there is a girl um, who tells you she's not interested and she doesn't really tell you why. Um, ask, uh, you know, that, I mean, talk about risk, like that, that's a pretty big risk and it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if, if you suspect that, that there's something she's not telling you and you really want to know, I, I would say just like, go for it, it again. It's probably going to, yeah. but it's going right. to no matter what it's going to hurt. If, if one of your parents gives you feedback about how you're living, yes. you're like it's going to, it's going to hurt true. no matter who it is. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that, um, Asking is a really good plan. I, I don't know that, that women will always be willing to tell you. Um, I would hope, female listeners, that, that you would, um, that you would be honest and, and gentle. You know, like it doesn't have to be painful. Um, it doesn't have to be super mm-hmm. painful. Like, like you can say, like, you know, say this as a sister in Christ to the guy that like you want, like you do want you, 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 this is a loving thing to do. I think you are willing his good. And unless someone points out to him something that he has not seen yet in himself, he may never know. 
you may never know. We all have blind spots, right? Yes. Like they're right. we all have blind right. spots. There's I who the heck knows what I don't know about myself. I don't know. We don't know. But there has to come a point when if 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 we have not grown to the degree that I'm starting to notice something in me that needs to change or grow, but someone else is noticing it, we have to become a little bit more open, I think, to allowing um, allowing that to influence us at least to a degree. And and, and you have sure. to discern. It's not even, I'm not, when I wrote about this for Catholic Match, I, I wrote something like, um, let me look at it. I wrote that like, you defensively could insist forever that it's false. And again, like if it's one person, one random person, first time in your life, anyone has ever called you lazy as an example, like first time in your life, then it's probably not true. This person may have just like some kind of really high expectations for how productive you're supposed to be, right? Or or, or some sort of yes. woundedness. Oh my there. gosh. It's almost always yeah. going to be re- uh, the result of a wound for sure. Mm-hmm. But yep. if you find that person number one said it, person number two you tried to date said it. Your parents bring it up every now and then. Your best friend, he's kind of hinted at it a little bit. It might be time to admit that maybe they're right, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Arlene, for coming on this episode and sharing your wisdom with everybody. I really appreciate it. I I think this was a very good conversation in eye-opening in many ways. And for our listeners, just be sure to keep an eye out for the next episode where I'm going to share three things men, single men want women to know about dating. And I want to encourage you also to, to check out Arlene's book. We'll put a link in the show notes there. And also engage on the conversation on social media. Did we, we miss something here that you want to really speak into? Again, be charitable about the way that, that you share because we, we do want to provide men good, honest feedback, good, honest uh, insight here with this this conversation here. So I want to encourage you all to, to check out our, the conversations going on there. So thank you so much, Arlene, for joining me here. This episode of the 8th Day Coaching Podcast is over. Just a reminder, I will leave a link to my free ebook, Breaking the Cycle of Pressure in an Action, down in the show notes. It's written especially for Catholic singles. It is very concise, it has great content, and it also has some exercises that you can go through for yourself. I also want to encourage you to engage in these conversations on my social media channels, as that's a way we can have more of a dialogue. All these resources will be provided in the show notes. And if you have received any value out of this episode, the best way you can give back is to share this podcast with others and leave a five-star rating. Live inspired. Live God inspired. Mm